Hello and what is up, Bold Crew? Before we get to the podcast that you are here to listen to, I just want to make a special announcement. The Twin Cities by Night crew has decided to add an additional member to the gang. What does that entail? That means that not only will you be able to potentially play in a future Demon the Fallen game that we will be running for a podcast and YouTube series, but you'll also be able to become part of the gang and be involved in future podcasts and other games that we may have going on on the channel. So how can you apply for this? First, you'll need to stop by our Discord that you can find in this podcast description and get details on how to apply. We'll be accepting applications until September 30th, 2018. And from there, we'll make a decision. We will let you know if you are the one who will become part of the Twin Cities by Night gang. I hope to see you all there. And if you have any questions, you can reach out to us on that same Discord. Good luck. Now I bring to you the future podcast. Warning, the following podcast contains violent scenes that may be unsettling to some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, and welcome back to Twin Cities by Night and our third story arc, Dread. Dread is set in the Twin Cities of Minnesota, Minneapolis, and St. Paul in the hot and humid summer of 2011. Join us again and continue to follow the journey of Katow, played by Quinn, and William, played by Slavic, as they continue to traverse the dark society held within the Twin Cities. They will be joined by three new kindred, Warren, a Tremere, played by Adam, Valentine, a Nosferatu, played by Alex, and Lenny, a Nosferatu, played by Andrew. The Coterie will find themselves joined together by a sense of dread. If you would like to contact us, you can follow us on Twitter at twin underscore cities underscore VTM or Facebook at Twin Cities by Night. We hope you enjoy. So, Warren, we left off last night where you were writing in your journal and you're kind of like drawing out and writing about the experience that you had when you tried to use astral projection. And we said you spent the rest of the night like that. Your sheets, you know, were covered in this blood of yours, this vitae. Are you just going to sleep in those sheets? Or like, Tell me about how you end the evening that night before you wake up the next evening. He's, Warren is going to continue drawing and marking down any words or thoughts that come through his head pretty much until the sun comes up. So he may just fall asleep and face plant on his desk. And when you, the next evening, when your corpse becomes animated again and you open your eyes you see this drawing that you did that is right in front of your eyes and there's a moment where you're taken aback and i want to know with with warren and what he witnessed like what is all going on in his head with with all that right now he's both confused because normally that doesn't happen when he tries to leave his body and he's also terrified because there was something there and he doesn't have a way of defining or contextualizing it, at least not that he's currently aware of. Definitely. When you're sitting there, like when you sit up from your desk and you're alone in that room, you hear out of the peripheral of your hearing this very slight sound of like waves hitting a beach. And there's a second where you're not sure where it's coming from, I assume, because you hadn't heard this yet before, you know? What do you do? How do you react to that? 
without really thinking about it, he'll turn to see if he left the radio on or if there's something playing on his cell phone. And there's nothing. And you notice when you turn and you're looking, you don't hear it anymore. It was just a brief moment when you're alone there with your thoughts and you were thinking and you're trying to conceptualize everything that you had witnessed and trying to, to, to place that, to compartmentalize it, to figure it out, even though, like you said, you can't. That's when you heard that. But now that you're kind of like looking around this room that still has the lamp on that was on when you passed out, still has like you look at these sheets and there's the blood has dried and there's like this crimson maroon stain that like takes up most of it that's soaked through probably. And you see that that knife that you stabbed yourself with is still laying there like with bloody handprints still on it and still has your vitae that is dried on it. You don't hear it anymore. You don't hear those waves. And you're just sitting there and you're reminded at that moment when you're sitting and looking around this room of what you were tasked by Jenna to do this evening. Warren will take a moment to collect himself. And then once he's done that, he will strip the sheets off the bed. He will grab the knife and he'll take the knife to, I'm going to guess the Chantry has a kitchen or a bathroom. It has both. The kitchen has never really been used, but you keep it up for facade's sake. And also has a bathroom, too, that you keep up for facade's sake. Because, I mean, in the end, not only do you owe, owe a loyalty to the Tremere, but you'll owe, owe a loyalty to the Masquerade. And, you know, the more of a front you can keep up that this is just a normal house, the, the, the better for the safety of you and your clanmates. All right, he'll go down to the kitchen and wash the knife in the sink. He'll take the sheets with him, and then he'll throw those into the laundry. Or, well, considering how covered in blood they are, he may just throw them into the furnace. And as you make your way down to the basement where the furnace is at, you know, where, like, the heater stays at this old house, you kind of open the door, and you go down these steps, and you they creak, because this is the old kind of, like, cellar basement that these houses used to have that were stone and cement, you know, that 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 were not finished and even maybe part of it has a little compact you know that compact dirt that's almost as hard as cement down there mm-hmm. and you throw these sheets in there and you, you you put them in the furnace and you and you and you light the furnace you can hear like the crackling of the sheets you kind of smell it as you close the cast iron cover of this furnace and when you're making your way back up the steps you step out of the steps and you make a right and you see Cynthia standing there looking directly mm-hmm. at you and you see right away, it's almost like her brown, deep Italian brown eyes when they're staring at you when you walk in. is like a smack along your head, and which is odd, though, because you look down at her. You're like five foot 11, six foot tall, and you're looking down at this figure that normally would not strike fear to someone of your size because she's only about 110 pounds, if that, you know, a wispy woman who looks like she borderline malnourished, but she's looking up at you with her brown hair that's parted down the middle and swept behind her ears, wearing this gray cardigan sweater and a brown skirt that goes down below her knees and these black, uncomfortable-looking loafers. And she just stands there and looking up at you as you're looking down at her, and there's this like minute that goes by. And you can hear when you're standing there looking down at her, you can hear this Warren will sort of shrink into himself a little bit. And he won't look her in the eyes. He'll look at her shoes. And there's a moment, again, uncomfortable silence where you hear that grandfather clock that's in the foray of the chantry that seems to resonate its sound in every room. It almost seems to follow you. And you hear her go, what were you doing down there, Warren? 
cleaning. Hmm. You have not forgot what you've been tasked to do, have you, Warren? No, I haven't. Do you remember the times that we spent down there, Warren, in the special room down there? Very clearly. You've grown a lot since then. Jenna's telling me you're doing good things for us. Are you? I'm doing what I am told to do. Good, Warren. Good. I need you tonight, Warren. Do you understand? I do. You do not want to mess this up, Warren. Do you understand that? I do. You are still paying a debt to us, Warren. You do realize that, right? I know. It's because of you we are in the state that we are in. Right, Warren? Of course. I just want you to know something. No matter what Jenna may tell you, it is me who decides if you're back in our good graces or not. Do you understand that, Warren? I do. I bet you regret saving me, huh? You regret all those years ago pulling me out of this very building here to where I survived? No. Oh, you don't regret it, Warren? You still love me? I have to. Then why are you talking to another woman, Warren? What do you hope to ha- will happen with that? Do you see a smirk on her face? You, her- you hope to replay what we had? You hope to be the one who can bring joy to someone's life? Is that what you hope? No. Be careful, Warren, because that lady may very well do what you did to me, and you very well may find yourself being in the position I am in now. Maybe that's why you're doing it, Warren. I don't know. And frankly, I don't care. You have a job to do tonight, Warren, and you need to do it. You understand? Yes, Regent. Go. Get out of my face. He will hurry along. All right. So what is your plan for this tasking that you have to do? You were left with an address and a time to pick someone up, which is going to be in about 40 minutes. How do you plan to go about that? He's going to change into, well, where in the city is the address? Like what kind of neighborhood is it? So it's in downtown Minneapolis. This pretty much when you were given the address, you pretty much, I would say even a part of you was like, that's where I would have picked. You know what I mean? Like it's a nondescript downtown at this stage of night, there's probably people walking to different bars or different restaurants. It's a metropolitan area to where if a car came and picked someone up, it wouldn't be out of the ordinary whatsoever, you know? So it's pretty much like where kind of meld into the, the surroundings type place. Does that make sense? It does. All right. He will run upstairs. He'll shower real quick. He'll put on something suitable for that area. You know, dark pair of jeans, nice shoes, maybe a sweater. Something that makes him look like he's just out in downtown and maybe have a dinner, a few drinks with friends. And then he'll try to get to a location near the address as early as he can so he can kind of scout the area out. He'll get out, flip on obfuscate, and just walk the neighborhood to see what he can see. And he'll flip on uh, heightened senses. Okay. So you drive leaving the confines of St. Catherine University. Your vehicle is driving through these dark, quiet streets. You soon find yourself heading down main roads, going to downtown Minneapolis. You find yourself going over a bridge that crosses the Minnesota River. You look out of the driver's side window and over the opposing traffic that's coming in the other lanes and you can see like the river expand out into the horizon and you see that the rain must have stopped but you can still see collections of the moisture that was dropped from the sky that that is on the bridge as you're you can even hear it as your tires pierce through it slice through it and hear the water hit the underneath your wheel wells 
of your vehicle. You come, you go over the bridge and you find yourself soon in this bustling city, which you've seen grown in the last four or five decades, six decades. You see in this town that was ravaged by a great fire in the summer of 1945, right when the great war ended, the second great war ended. And now you see it being filled with neon lights and businesses and people of different races and cultures. And you see there's more people than there used to be. But I would almost think that in this swarm and blanket of humanity, that it comes across as a safe haven away from that that master of yours, the one who brought you all this pain, but also the one who gave you this extended life. Because she never comes out. She never comes amongst these people. And you find yourself looking for a place to park your vehicle. And you find that there's a brewery that's in this old red brick establishment where vaguely you remember it being like a general store during your younger years when you're still married to your wife. And you see that there's parking between that and another red brick building that seems to be a boutique of some sort that's closed at the moment. And you park your vehicle in there and you slowly open the door and close it and you turned on your obfuscate. And just like the feelings, the emotional scars and the signs of torture, which you've dealt with for the last six centuries, you hide yourself too, just like those scars as you walk amongst the sea of humanity. And you find yourself, you turn on your heightened senses and you just simply are trying to let the flow of this city take you in its tides. Because you find oftentimes when you let your mind go like that, just like you do when you use astral projection or you use any form of aspects. At this point, I need you to give me a perception alertness rule. Difficulty seven. Uh, two successes. So as you're walking and you find yourself just kind of grazing over and you're about 30 minutes till you're supposed to meet up, you are close to the corner of the, t- of the two streets where you would pick up this couple. And you see that corner is at this 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 diner, this little French La Bouguette is the name of the restaurant. And it's on the corner there. And you see outside they have like these, like this little like waist high cast iron fence that's probably like goes out like 10 feet away from the establishment to where if people want to eat inside, they could, or they could sit at these cast iron like 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 little tables where maybe like three or four people could sit around it. They're circular and there's like an overhead there to protect them from the weather. And right now, as you're walking by, you see like even though it's not raining anymore, you see moisture still dropping from this plastic overhead. This stripe red and white canvas that 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 comes over it. And you see two figures that are sitting at this table, and you immediately know who they are. One is Adam Carter, the Melkavian Primogen, and the other one is Star. And you see Adam sitting there, and he's wearing tighter blue jeans. He has cowboy boots on. He has a tucked-in white button-up shirt with a brown leather belt. And he has like a corduroy jacket overneath, like a sports jacket overneath that has these leather patches on there. And you see he has his blonde hair that's about goes to the middle of his neck, but it's kind of like combed back behind his ears. And he has these glasses on, these rimmed glasses, these rimless glasses. And he has this very, as you're looking at him, you, you get this sense of, like he has very strong features. You know, very, features that are probably Nordic in their origins, but and that that's very common in this area. 
but they're very strong, like, like very, they're not soft, like an individual who you would think would normally perhaps dress this way. Cause he very much has an educated feel to him. You know, his clothes are somewhat dated for this time period, but he doesn't stick out too much. And you see sitting to his left between him and the building, this, this, this cafe is star. And you see that she is wearing like this jean skirt, not like a trashy jean skirt, but one that, 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 that goes like mid to her thighs. And you see like she has this spaghetti string, like sky blue blouse on that shows like her shoulders and a little bit of her cleavage. And she has like this blonde hair that, that is also kind of almost similar length to Adam's, but has more of a cut, a layered cut to it. And she has these very sharp blue eyes that, that where that seem to pierce and you see her looking around the crowd where, where, Adam seems lost in his thoughts. She seems to be absorbed by her environment. She seems to be looking around like, like everything's new, you know, everything that she hasn't noticed before you see, like she seems almost overwhelmed for a second. And you see without even looking at her, Adam, like reaches his hand across and puts his hand on top of her hand, which is like resting on this table. They both have these steaming drinks, which you assume to be coffee or tea that are sitting in front of them. And he just gently grips her hand. And as you are looking at them and absorbing this, you kind of like look around your environment and you look across the street and you see on the corner of a across the street on the corner of a building where there's like a little walkway that like a little steps that, you know, are in front of some of these buildings that kind of go down below ground, like like to a basement entrance. You see a figure that's standing there and he has this 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 very bulky like like kind of like a spring jacket on like a Gore-Tex of a sort. And it's like an olive color and you see that the hood is pulled up and you can't really make out his features, but you see that like he seems kind of hunched over a little bit like his like his vertebrae may be crooked in a way and you see him just standing there. You can't even see make out the features of the face. You see these deep like it, it, deep within the confines of this hood that there's probably a face there that's looking out and you see people are walking by him up and down the steps. They seem to be walking around him, but they don't notice him. You're like looking at him and you, and you, and you notice that people seem to purposely kind of be walking out of his way. So what are you going to do before he realizes that I'm looking at him? I'm going to make note of his location, but pass it over as if I was being affected by his obfuscate as well. All right. That's what I'm assuming it is. All right. And okay, what else are you gonna do at this point? So that's what you notice when you're walking around. Right. He'll uh, take a look at the two Malkavians and make a note of the uh, the cafe they're in, the table they're sitting at, what they're wearing, anything that's on the table besides the coffee. Make mental notes of it all, and he'll continue down the street, checking to see what's going on. And as you walk down the street, and you got about ten minutes till the meetup time, you you don't notice anything. You're just slowly feel the clicking of your shoes and you know seeing like the rain that's the the water from the rain still going down the gutter on the side of the street there but nothing nothing sticks out okay all right when he's done he'll turn back and return to uh, the area directly around the address if that figure is still in the alleyway he will attempt to aura read it so you're going to your vehicle then you're going to while going to your vehicle you're going to try to aura read him the figure yeah. in the alleyway okay Still only one success. All right. 
So you see as you're walking by and you kind of like look for a second as you're walking by this figure and you're like very focusing and you focus in on them. And you notice that when you kind of do that, when you want to tap in and to see people's auras, you notice that everything seems to be pushed out from everyone else, meaning that almost it's like you're going down, you're driving down a highway when there's a snowstorm going on. And you kind of know you get that feeling where it's almost like fourth dimensional when the snow's going by your windshield and you're going for and you're having a hard time focusing on anything but the snow. The people around seem to be pushing forward that way. And that and them pushing forward in your vision that way pushes your perception closer to this individual. And you feel that when you do that and you focus in on and you see the shape that's standing there that's looking at the the, the two individuals sitting there at the table you see that like he starts to lose his form like the colors start losing their sep their separation of his clothing and of who he is and you see like his aura just becomes pale it loses his substance a little bit and you see that like it slowly becomes pale and you realize that's the sign of that someone's a kindred okay hmm. yeah warren will continue on to his car and then he'll go to the meetup point so you get in your car and you start your car and you leave the driveway and you drive around the street into in front of this cafe and when you pull over you hear your tires go through the water and you kind of just stop there and you see the two figures see adam turn and look at you for a second and there's a moment where you and him get a connection like an eye connection and you see him get up and he like pulls out the seat for star and she stands up and he grabs her hand gently and he kind of like press uses his other hand and pushes her lower back to guide her towards the car. And he goes to the back, the passenger, rear passenger door, and he opens it up. And when she opens it up, you can kind of hear a slight mumbling and she gets in and you hear like the back seat, like, like, a you know, the squishing of like the leather from the back seat as she scoots over and gets behind you. And you see Adam slowly gets into the car and he closes the door behind him and you see she puts her head like on his chest and he puts his arm around her and you see she's just kind of sitting there with her other arm like on his shoulder and she's just like almost like she's you see her chest rising a little bit like almost like she's crying and you can hear like slight slobbing and he looks into the rearview mirror and you're looking in the rearview mirror and he's like you can go warren will nod and then he'll look across the street to see if the figure is still there you look in the rearview mirror and you see the figure still there looking. Nope. Warren will turn. Actually, he'll lower the window. He'll stick his head out. He'll turn. He'll look directly at the figure. And there's a moment where you're looking directly at the figure and you see like the figure like Warren like, will wave and then drive <laughs> off. And then you take off down the road. Yeah. So you drive over this bridge again. While you're driving, you hear like you feel <clears throat> there's a moment where you feel like this. I'd say let me ask you this. I don't want to say how Warren feels, but how did that make you feel like waving to him and being like, hey, I see you there? It was a tiny moment of empowerment for Warren. Basically seeing this dude stalking the couple he was supposed to pick up and basically being able to say, I see you, fucker. So there's a little moment of victory as you're driving down these streets. But once you start leaving the business area and it's just you and these three in the car and you hear your stars just very slight like sobbing you start feeling uncomfortable like you don't feel comfortable with these two in the vehicle like there's a moment where you're like 
you, you start feeling a little claustrophobic. You look in the rearview mirror again, and you see Adam looking right in the rearview mirror back at you. And you look out like the passenger side window of your car, and you look ahead. And this time when you're driving over the bridge, it's almost like you find yourself going a little faster than you normally would. I can imagine Warren being like a guy who probably goes max five over the speed limit. But right now you find yourself going 10 because you find yourself in this car. You don't want to be with these two in this car. Like something about them instinctually is like tapping into your inner gazelle. Like if you had no discipline, no self-control over who, over yourself or your actions, you'd pull this car over, get out and run off and leave them in this car on their own. But thankfully soon you're across that bridge and soon you're in St. Paul and soon you start seeing the familiar outline of the buildings of the University of St. Catherine. And you start driving through these quiet, quaint streets. And you find yourself in front of the chantry, parked alongside the road. What are you doing? He will do his job. He'll get out of the car. He'll open the doors. He will assist unless waved away. So as you pull up and you get out of the car you see the door to the chantry open and you see jenna come out and she slowly starts walking down this sidewalk which has a couple steps in the middle and keeps walking and then has like four steps that lead down to where the curb is at and you see her this bright smile coming from from jenna and you see her go up to the rear passenger door and opens it up and you hear her go adam Adam, thank you. Come on out. Come on out. She see her like offer her hand and you see like you're standing outside the driver's side door, like looking over the hood of this car at, at Jenna do her thing. And when I say Jenna do her thing, you see that politician that was on the phone talking to Katow. You remember when you're in the car with Katow and her whole voice changed, you know what I mean? She yeah. got all like bubbly. You see that coming out and you see her put her hand out and you see it, her helping Adam out. And there's a brief moment where you see her face when she thinks no one's looking and you see like, like her eyes open a little bit, like, like she does not feel comfortable. Like she almost feels like an electric touch when she touched his hand like that. And you see the figure of Adam come out and then she's like, Oh, Oh, come on. Come, come on. Come. What's your name again? What's your name? Let's st stars your name, but come on, come on. You see her like, like she gently helps this figure, this five foot six female who was with Adam who looks like she's slightly crying again. And she's like, oh, come with, come on, come on. We'll help you out there. No, don't worry. I understand. This is a lot to take in. This is a lot to take in. And you see her start like motioning these two to walk up the steps. And she looks at you and you see there's a moment where she looks at you and you just see her eyes just like wide, like a panic almost. A slight panic is rolling okay. behind those eyes. And she's like, Warren, will you please wait in the foyer until we're done, please? When I see that look of panic, mm -hmm. I will aura read her. Okay, go ahead and roll it, please. Damn it, one success. And with you having aura read her before, you just kind of, it's not as in your face as it was when you rolled it with the figure that was across the street, you know, but you get the same, same pale aura. But then you see her po politician face come back on once she asks you to wait in the foyer until they're done. She's like, just please wait there. It'll be a half hour at most, okay? Of course. And you see them walk up ahead of you and you see her open the door and let them to the two of them in as you follow in and you see her walk out the foyer and she walks up the stairs 
And so you walking up the stairs is like you look up and walking up this, they, you know, they go up these steps that kind of like curve around to the top, you know, they, they, these steps have like they're hardwood, but they have like this velvet or excuse me, this maroon, like, like layer of carpet that's in the middle that goes up with the steps, you know, and then it cuts to the top and there's like a wooden banister, of course, that goes along one side of the steps and it goes all the way up to the top. And that's usually where you see Cynthia and she's staring down at you when you leave. And you see when you're following the steps, you see the figure of Cynthia, but further back than you normally see her, more of a silhouette. And you hear mumbling and talking, and then you see four of them go down that hallway. And you know that the hallway that they're going down is one that you normally do not go down. A lot of bad memories in that hallway. Okay. And when they walked down that hallway, you're left alone, and you see that there's like this sitting bench, a nice decorative sitting bench for you to sit in and wait in that foyer until they are done. What do you do? Warren will go sit down. But while he's sitting, he will attempt to start meditating on what he saw while he was astrally projected to see if he can't draw anything more out of that. Definitely. You know, matter of fact, you're sitting here in this foray and you're like kind of closing your eyes and you're trying to lose yourself in thought. And right before you close your eyes, you see that tall, old, majestic grandfather clock that's always been in that for you. You remember the first time that you went in there when you first started feeling that undying loyalty to Cynthia. And you remember looking at it way back in 1942, back when your marriage was on the rocks. You didn't give a shit. Back when your wife was threatening to leave with your baby. You didn't give a shit. And you remember at that time standing there looking at this handcrafted mechanical piece of genius. You know, it's deep, rich, red wood. It's weight you can only imagine. It's taller than you. It's base that looks more sturdy than most pillars that hold up buildings. And you remember looking up at it this time and seeing like the within the middle of it through this old glass, the gears and the mechanics of it moving. And you remember looking at the top and seeing its Roman numerals and the backdrop of it that was probably ivy that's kind of yellowed in time but still protected by a glass and hearing that a sound that probably nowadays is not heard with this swarm of noise and instant gratification that seemed to take over this generation where they're not left alone with their thoughts like you are right now. The generation now that can't stand to be left alone with their thoughts because they're afraid of what will confront them. And they rather mindlessly, numbly keep themselves occupied. But you come from a different generation. And at that moment, you hear that clock ticking. And while you're thinking about that clock and you're thinking about the joy, you start finding yourself, you close your eyes, right? And you're trying to meditate and you find yourself like start being filled with a sense of happiness. Like just the thought of that clock, just like the thought of it just brings you joy and you can't concentrate. You can't like you close your eyes and you're trying to imagine what you saw and you can't concentrate. What are you going to do? He's going to try to use the ticking as best he can to see if using the ticking as a focus for the meditation assists as you as you sit there and you're trying to like use it to focus right and to like to, to really do even because you know you got to do this you just find yourself smiling like you can't like you close your eyes and you feel your cheek muscles like rising and you you, you can't remember the last time that you felt your face making this movement it's alien like your face isn't supposed to work like this anymore but it does and you feel your lips parting back and you feel you, you feel like your teeth exposed to the world 
and you just feel this warmth like coming through you and you start thinking about like like the thought of your wife and your kid you're like thinking about the birth of your son right now like the thought like you close your eyes and you're trying to imagine this lady and you're trying to imagine what you saw when you try to astral project and you are just seeing your hands holding this pink bundle wrapped in a sky blue blanket that was just moving its lips and it couldn't even open its eyes anymore and it had this like little tuft of dark hair what does that bring out in you that scares warren deeply because that's not somewhere he ever expected his mind to go and that given his current circumstances that's not somewhere he would want his mind to go yeah that's understandable totally and when you open your eyes and you kind of feel like in the back of your head like a little voice being like you're scared you look at this clock and when you look at the clock you realize that that clock makes you happy too like it's standing there man that that's like a, a totem that's like a battery that that's it's like charging your batteries warren's going to aura read the clock go ahead and give me a roll please one success you're standing in front of the clock you don't even realize how you got there you're looking at this clock right now and you're like trying to focus on it. you're like what the fuck and you look back where you're just sitting you're not sitting there anymore and you're staring at the clock and when you're looking at the clock you see a reflection in your face and a glass pane in the middle and you're looking at your face and you see this despicable son of a bitch who doesn't know where that boy's at who knows what happened to that boy is he alive still did he have a life did he end up getting married and having a wife and kids or did he end up being a piece of shit because his dad left him for a woman and his mom ran out in a time where it was not easy for women to get jobs was he is he someone who abused people? Did he was he even there for his mother when she got old and died? Or did he run off too? And you're looking at these thoughts and you're seeing your face and you see like your eyes are getting intense as you're looking at yourself. And you feel this anger starting to come up in you. Like just this pure boiling rage of fire. This just seems to be coming from your belly where you felt the stabbing sensation, where you still have the wounds that you didn't heal that are still there. What are you doing? He's gonna spirits touch the clock now. All right, go ahead and give me a roll. What difficulty would you like me to use? Let's do difficulty seven. Ah, hates me today. One success. You put your hand on this cloth, on this deep wood. You feel like your thumb and your index finger touching part of the glass where you see your reflection. And you close your eyes. And while you're closing there, you start. <laughs> you, 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 you feel yourself like you can't even like really like control what you're doing and you just feel like your 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 body's starting to shake and you're sitting there and you're like holding your hand on there and you're like what the fuck am i doing and you like realize the whole the the the, the stupidity of this whole situation and how hilarious it is that you went like you're like angry at like a reflection of yourself and you're sitting here rubbing your hands on this fucking clock hoping it gives you some answers like it's a magic eight ball of some shit and you like open your eyes and you look at yourself again and this reflection and you just even find it more hilarious that you're like laughing at yourself right now and you see like these blood tears that are coming down your eyes just from like the laughter of it and, and you just find yourself chuckling and this is totally fucking alien this is not more alien than the vision that you saw like that you're laughing when was the last time that warren fucking laughed and you're sitting there and you're fucking cracking up and you're laughing and you're looking at yourself in this mirror and these just these crimson streaks are coming down and they're just rolling down your cheek and you can't even really focus on yourself anymore as you're laughing. What are you doing right now? Now Warren's getting really, really concerned. And as you're sitting there laughing and you see that these tears are coming down, you realize the real situation that you're in. You realize that you're someone's slave. 
that everything was taken from you and you can't do nothing about it. You realize lives that you've taken, the lives that you ruined. You realize that you have eternity of this. And there's a moment where you find that those tears are coming down even more and you smash your forehead into this without even realizing what you're doing. You smash your forehead into the clock and you fall back and you start sobbing. Like you fall on your back, you smash your head and your whole body falls back on the floor as you hear glass falling around you and you're laying and you're looking up at the ceiling and soon you find yourself turning and curling up into the fetal position as you're bawling, thinking about your son who's probably dead and your wife who's probably dead and the victims that you've taken and how you'll never be the same. And you're just bawling and you find yourself, it feels like a relief at this time. You're just crying and you're just letting all this toxicity out. You're letting all this pain, like those scabs and those calluses from all that emotional damage that that bitch did to you are being ripped open right now. And it's just all pouring forth from you, all that agony and all that pain. And you open your eyes in the middle of this and you see on the floor next to you, like on her knees, on her stomach, looking at you six inches apart between your face, which is on the side and hers, which is looking at you, those sharp blue eyes of star who you picked up. And there's a moment where you look into hers and she looks into yours and you hear the wave, the loud cascading of waves all around you. And you hear a whisper coming from her voice. You can feel the, the, the sound, the vibrations of it coming across your face. And she goes, you can hear the waves. You can hear it too, can't you? And there's a moment where you're like, want to answer yes. And you see all of a sudden her face being lifted up. And you look up and you see Adam pulling her up. And you see Jenna looking down at you like what? You know, like looking down at you, eyes open, but face stone. And you see Cynthia sitting down. And you see these four figures all standing, looking down at you. And you see Cynthia has a smirk on her face. And she's like, Get up, Warren. Clean yourself up. You need to take them home. And she turns around and walks back up the steps. And you see Star offer her hand to you. And you see Jenna come up behind you, trying to help lift you up as it gets you on your feet. What are you going to do? He will politely wave them back, and he'll get up on his own. And he'll uh, look at the glass, and he'll look at the floor, and he'll look at himself. And then he'll turn to Jenna and give her a look that is intended to say we need to talk later but with his current emotional state may convey something very different and then he will nod at her he will walk to the nearest bathroom clean himself up so that he's presentable and then he will lead them to the car you notice as you're walking down these steps with them and jenna's walking kind of like behind you and star and adam are walking in front of you that you don't feel instinctual heightened sense of uncomfortable fear around them anymore you get into the driver seat they get into the back seat again almost a replay of what happened 40 minutes ago and you start the car and the car starts driving off and you realize as you're looking through the rear view mirror that both of them are looking at you through it too but you don't feel at danger anymore you don't feel like you need to stop and run anymore that's gone and you hear Star say, most of them can't hear. What's your name? Warren, they said your name was? Yes. Yes, my name is Warren. You hear it, right? Warren will actually take a deep breath, 
completely unnecessary, but he'll still do it. He'll slowly exhale, take a shorter breath. Yes, yes, I do. It's all around us. We don't know what to do with it either. And you see the figure of Adam be like, it's a gift, you knowing what surrounds us. Be careful with what you do with that. These people keep dancing their dance. They keep playing their games. And only a select few of us know what we really sit on top of. You know, Warren, if you ever need to speak to me, you can contact me. And you see him like has his business card. And he kind of just like puts it in the center council. He just kind of gently like puts it in there. You can't really read what's on there. Mm-hmm. Warren will nod. I'm sorry you have to deal with what you deal with, Warren. But in the end, we're all in control of our own destiny. We may think we have chains that bind us, but those are just imaginary. Always remember that, Warren. You can drop us off here. We don't need to be dropped off where we were at before. And you find that you're gone, went over the bridge, crossing over the Minnesota River, and you're just at some random corner right now. Okay. You have a good evening, Warren. And you see like him open the door, and you see Star get out with him. What's going on in Warren's head right now? Enlighten us. He's flabbergasted. He he's, doesn't know how to process this. He thinks he's going insane. He's got the same thing in his head that a Malkavian has in his head. That can't be good. He's terrified that he's finally just losing it. As you're sitting there, you hear the phone ring. You're, you hear your cell phone ringing. And you, you see on the face of it, on the flip phone, that it's Jenna. He'll answer it. I know that look you gave me, Warren. What do you have to say? I think the Malkavians were inside my head. They weren't, Warren. Then I have no explanation for what happened. You don't need explanations, Warren. You need to do your job. If I feel you need explanations, Warren, I will give them to you. I'll tell you what I need, Warren, what the family needs. We need you to do what I asked you to do yesterday. Do you understand? Yes, I do. Roman killed Ophelia. Do you understand? Yes, I do. I highly suggest you start on that. I will do so. Have a good evening, Warren. And here, click as you're left by yourself in your car. What are you doing? Warren's going to pull over and try to really think about what just happened to him and what he has to do. And then and he's going to try to call William. You call William's number. And you get straight voicemail. This is William. Leave a message. Warren will hang up. William will know the call's been placed. And then on the way back to the Chantry, Warren's going to drive by a certain bookstore. So you are driving. It takes about 10 minutes. And you find yourself across the street in your car parked along the curb of this bookstore. And you're looking out your driver's side window. And you're seeing this small establishment that... Again, like many of these businesses are red brick. And you see this huge plate glass window in the front. And you see the nook is like put on like that paint, soap paint that people put on windows like that. And you see like this little blackboard where people can put the white numbers and letters with the times on there. And you see within this place, as you're looking, you see there's rows of bookshelves all crammed in stacks of books. There's no, like seems to be no organization. And you look that there's like this walkway down the middle where there's no bookshelf and you see this, like kind of like a standing desk that's there. And you see the figure of this woman that you were supposed to have this date with as she's standing there. 
with her red curls kind of like falling down over her shoulders as she's sitting there reading a book, smoking a cigarette. No one's really in there right now at the moment. Warren's going to sigh bitterly. Instead of going back to the Chantry, he'll drive to Ophelia's restaurant. Hello, folks. Have you ever wished you could have an easy way to find gameplay videos and podcasts, or just media in general that deals with your favorite White Wolf role-playing games? Or have you ever wished you could find a forum to share gameplay that you have recorded, one which wouldn't be drowned out by random posts and discussion so that your media could get the attention you want? Well, we have the answer for you in a Facebook group we run called White Wolf RPGs Gameplay and Media. The group is specifically ran with the sole intent of it being a one-stop shop for people to view or share media involving the games we all love. We take thorough steps to ensure the page does not become cluttered and is easy to traverse. We are currently over 1,000 members strong, and we are continuing to rapidly grow with new media being shared every day. Stop on by. We hope to see you there. High Level Games, the industry's first choice in taking your games to the next level. We are a podcast blog and new media network at highlevelgames.ca. We have blog posts about all of your favorite games going up five days a week and a podcasting network with actual plays and shows that discuss role-playing games with more rolling out all the time. We are on iTunes, Twitch, and YouTube. Find out more information at highlevelgames.ca, a site that certainly isn't controlled by a shadowy board of directors of otherworldly origin. That's highlevelgames.ca. Please, help. They're coming. Los Angeles metropolitan area is constantly growing and changing. The central district is full of new buildings. The Hollywood and Wilshire districts, once far from downtown, now are part of a which spreads past Beverly Hills and out to the ocean. Why is all this going on in Los Angeles? Why is Los Angeles an exploding city? Neon Masquerade The Demon's Mirror Thirteen Candles Three Chronicles Running Through the Undead Veins of the City of Angels 
The Esoteric Order of Roleplayers Actual Play Podcast invites you to drink deeply. Go to eorpodcast.com and search the Duets tag to find out more. <laughs>